Okay, anyways, we're just going to fly into this. Yeah, yeah, might as well, might as well. Would you like to introduce some information about yourself? Um, not even. We can go straight into that. All, all I know is um, on the subject of what we're going to be discussing today, hopefully, um, I know a decent bit about mysticism, mm. I'd say, uh, hermeticism, um, esotericism, um, kind of the Kabbalah influences of that, a little bit of the Buddhist influences on that. Um, and to be fair, honestly, the bulk of my knowledge just centers around the Golden Dawn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of different threads yeah. we can, we can lot, take to stuff. explore down there. Yeah. Yeah. What are you feeling first, man? I think, well, I think we'll open up with mysticism. And, okay. Because that's a good segue. Um, into, yeah. Ha, yeah. What do you think on that? What do, what do you think on that? Well, I mean, I mean, mysticism is obviously in, intimately tied to non-rational, intuitive ways of knowing, of being equated with reality mm-hmm. reality understood as ultimately a mystery or something that is yeah um, intrinsically beyond um uh comprehension mm. with concept concepts and uh, rational ways of learning like. yeah i really agree with that i think mysticism in itself is its own epistemology um, mm. essentially you're i completely agree with what you say i think that um it kind of perceives um the universe as um, a kind of objective truth to be interacted with. Um, mm. Not something that's necessarily knowable, but um, something that, well, can be experienced, obviously, uh, through mystical states, mm. um, I'd say. I think that really opens a lot more on like the discussion, like mystical practices, I think, as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think um, meditation, shamanistic ritual, um, these are all like very like key components of that spread thing. Um, but yeah, you can also then narrow that scope, I think, to hermeticism. Mm. Um, I know, what, what have you read up on that so I, far? I mean, I, I've been trying to learn a bit more about hermeticism recently, just sort of sketching out on the history. So I'll be mostly like, you know, I'm looking to like learn stuff from you about mm, it. Fair enough, fair enough. It seems, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, would you like to introduce yeah, yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, for like, sure, for sure. Introduce me like what, what your sort of thoughts um, on hermeticism yeah absolutely it's it's a very um i guess if you're trying to look at it from a his, like a historical perspective it's a very shadowy thing it's very hard to pinpoint where hermeticism starts i think you can quite easily pinpoint where its influence is modernly but i'd say historically um do you know hermes trimagestus yeah he's a central mythological figure yeah so within that essentially what he he does um, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on all this or I've read all his text, but from what I've researched, um, what he does is mystically combine kind of esoteric practices from um, Christianity, mm. um, uh, ancient Egypt mm. and Greece, kind of. Mm. Um, and that tradition has kind of um, spread through a long lineage of kind of direct ritualistic knowledge from there on. Um, one of the most interesting ones for me is uh, Rosicrucianism, if you know that. What, what's that, Rosicrucianism? Very weird stuff. But um, so uh, the Rosicrucians are um, basically a set of monasteries in Germany. Mm. Who? So yeah, they were Christian monks. Mm. But actually they had really big incorporation of secret hermetic teachings and uh ritual um a lot of it really dating from hermes trimagestus in a way 
Um, but within that, so if you look at the big influences, what that kind of comes down to is so you get Christianity. Mm. I think that's really interesting. Um, so a lot of emphasis on the supreme, on monotheistic kind of deity mm. in a way. But then um, the other really, really fundamental influence for me, and that's what I find maybe the most interesting, is Kabbalah. Um, mm. Which in itself, yeah, doubles down on that kind of monothe- monotheistic kind of supreme. But it sees it almost as a, as um, almost a kind of panpsychic way in my experience, I'd say. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway, so um, what gets very interesting with these Rosicrucians is that ultimately, um, through a really weird lineage, um, and kind of uh, inspection of like and translation of old Rosicrucian texts, all their teachings got um, integrated into Freemasonry. Mm. So we always talk about um, the Freemasons as like quite an occult sect. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And they definitely are. Yeah, they definitely have some very occult um, practices. Uh, I w- but what what I find quite interesting is it. I find that quite misunderstood in that actually all their ritual stems directly from Rosicrucianism. It's literally like a Christian sect, if you look at it, because mm. it's Christianity combined mm. with like old Jew- like Jewish like mysticism. What, what sort of um, rituals could be sort of like going into some of those? Yeah, definitely. I, I was going to say, I think the, the easiest way to talk about that is through Golden Dawn. Golden Dawn. Because yeah. that's, that's what I probably know most about in terms of like ritualistic practice mm. some really interesting stuff there yeah so i guess like i can give you like a little intro yeah to them for like the people as well like yeah you know. exactly um so the golden dawn um so basically they were imagine so they were they were part of the freemasons they were literally its own kind of separate guild within the freemasons operating out of the uk in the late 1800s and early 1900s mm. and they were constructed specifically with the task of what you'd probably term like occult science mm. for these Freemasons. So they literally researched their rituals. Um, they were the guys to do all this kind of Rosicrucian documentary kind of um, analysis, you know, really like they, they'd like translate kind of unique works of like Rosicrucian abbots themselves and then incorporate that into their kind of like overall Freemason ritual. But so what it means is that these guys were probably the ones to take it the furthest out of all Freemasons. Mm. Um, but where it gets really interesting, I, I think where it gets very misunderstood as occultism is that, well, ultimately, if you look at their ritual practices, it's basically like Kabbalah X Buddhism for me. Mm. It really is. And the most kind of interesting figure within that tradition, the one to, in my mind, really take it furthest and show what the whole point of it is, is a guy called Alistair Crowley. Crowley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. classic figure. Honestly, very, like, culturally influential. You can literally see him on um, the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Mm, Hearts Club Band. mm. I think he's in, like, the top left somewhere, Mm. looking real creepy or some shit. Mm. Um, I think very misunderstood character. I think he was... He loved media attention, so he was literally vilified as, like, the devil himself in, like, (laughs) puritanical, like, 1920s England. Right, yeah, no. But he definitely does some crazy shit. That's not... Yeah, no. I mean, I, I remember, well... When I was reading a bit about Golden Dawn before and stuff like that, he was apparently a family was sort of like quite a controversial kind of figure. Very much so. Like kind of disliked. Um, there was sort of, you know, the, the sort of. I mean, the suggestion that he was sort of, you know, was suck up or who's the um, the main character who was sort of um, the main founders of 
Golden Dawn, I'm sure. I think I think that one of the big ones. So this was the guy that he kind of took over from was McGregor Mathers. McGregor Mathers, yeah, that was the name. So like... Mathers was one of the guys who was doing all this kind of early analysis of Rosicrucian documents. Yeah. A lot of the kind of Golden Dawn, like almost syllabus. Yeah. In a way, it's coming through mm-hmm. him. It's quite interesting when you say stuff like syllabus because like oh, it's quite culty behavior in a way. Mm-hmm. But what I really enjoyed with researching a lot of this stuff, especially with Crowley himself, is that he he says, of course, you have to kind of believe in a way for these things to have power. Mm. But at the same time, you can't be over. Um, it's it's tricky to say, but like you can't. Um, trying to over explain a lot of these things either philosophically so it's like if you meditate and you have a certain effect within yourself yeah religiously you can claim this is god who's done this or something like that but at the same time it's like yeah you can believe and use any aid to believe that works for you so it's kind of almost universalist practice mm. but at the same time you 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 really also do have to take it as the these are specific psychological inputs that i'm putting into a process they are also what I'm getting out of it. Um, mm. Like a lot of people in Golden Dawn were literally psychologists as side hustles. It really ties into kind of like Jungian psychology, mm. especially. Mm. So archetypes, mm. um, what kind of ma- making the, the subconscious conscious. That's mm. like a really big focus. Yeah. And I think that's, that stuff. that's an interesting thing about when we, we're, we're mapping the psyche. And mm. obviously part of mapping the psyche is mapping you know elements of experience that are accessible to consciousness and then elements of experiences that are you know postulated to be quote-unquote deeper more intuitively less directly immediately accessible that's like the realm of yeah. the subconscious you know that's something that obviously um absolutely um, is explored by sort of young and freud with the psychodynamic tradition mm. and then you know i mean young obviously was much more sympathetic to um the spiritual side, I suppose. And, yeah, and well, I mean, he the... Jung was literally kind of um, uh, accused of being an occultist, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that the link between the two is very strong, especially when you look at the Red Book. Oh, yeah, his vi- yeah, he, like, his visions, visions, crazy stuff. Yeah, he, uh... he literally records visions of his kind of collective subconscious. Mm. And I think that the best way to really interpret a lot of hermeticism is almost as kind of like Jungian psychology. Mm, interesting. Because... If you if you look at kind of ritual practice um, of kind of mystical states, whether it's kind of Kundalini yoga, mm. uh, kind of shamanistic peyote rituals, mm. um, ayahuasca ceremonies, anything anything on that level of mysticism, it always has to be done with a very specific intention. And I think within the case of something like hermeticism, the ultimate intention is literally to to like I say, make the subconscious conscious and develop the psyche. And ultimately for them, it's like, um, I mean, it depends if you believe in this or not. Like, I'm not one to say, and I'm not an expert, but like on like um, higher self or like inner self. For them, a lot of their, their communication with that is just thinking like, okay, the inner self is literally like the most holy part of the self. It's mm. the self that is essentially an extension of God for them, mm. you know, and coming into actual conversation um, with that part of yourself is a mystical experience it's like the aim of mystical ritual mm. and they actually devise certain techniques to do that which are like actually crazy like it's mm. it's 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 nuts what they did mm. but we can go into into that a little bit if you want yeah no um i mean yeah definitely but like i mean just as sort of a precursor yeah definitely definitely um you know it's it sounds like you know 
all these sort of different techniques, mystical techniques. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's the, uh, the cultivation of sort of uh, ways of sort of conversing, communicating with those sorts of those, um, you know, it, they feel like yeah, deeper entities, aspects of the self. I mean, charm, like char- shamans, the uh, the idea of in shamanism is that you know they're entering this sort of shamanic trance of ecstasy enables um, them to convene with say spirit entities that mm, was often the interpretation and it there is there is an interesting question of like how, what, how do we in what what interpretation do we make of our subconscious content you know it's um you know it's you know because some people may will interpret it say oh i feel like god is speaking to me mm. you know or someone more secularly inclined would be that is just the uh, the subconscious contents of my organism's world building sort of but it's like it's um either in disp- either interpretation we make you know that there is something like... inherently mysterious about the unconscious in yeah know, and our um, interaction with it whatever that yeah. format is under you know um but no, I think I think where it gets yeah very interesting is when you you analyze like a lot of ritual in kind of a Jungian way. Mm. Um, for me, um, a really good like maybe like introductory one um, as a good example is like uh, what the Golden Dawn term the ritual of the bornless. So it sounds like some pretty heavy stuff. The bornless. Yeah. Interesting. If if I'm correct, it's been a while since I've yeah. I've read anything on this, but you. So the, the the whole thing is that you 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 enter a very strong trance. You you meditate for about half an hour, forty five minutes. That's how mm. long it takes to do. Probably longer if you want to do it that way as well. And what you literally call up is you you visualize, um, um, kind of entities from your collective subconscious. You mm. know, really foundational parts of ourselves, and mm. they they, in almost kind of like fairy taleish way, they they imagined them as like elementals so what do you mean by elementals? so it, it almost like a, a kind of a so i think what is it so i think there's like undines for water gnomes for earth i think sylphs for air and salamanders for like fire or something like this oh, okay. so they they i mean i think you could use anything mm. But the way that they do this ritual is they literally call upon these like elemental forces, mm. give them a name and give mm. them a shape and literally visualize them. So what they're doing is they're giving focus to a deeper part of their subconscious, you know? Mm. Yeah, no, that, and that sort of reminds me of, um, mm-hmm. you know, relating to sort of like Kabbalah and sort of these techniques of yeah. convening with um, the transcendent. You know, absolutely it has, it has obviously ties to sort of like m- like magic i suppose yeah the, essentially the use of magic where which is a sort of a ritual technique obviously to invoke like you describe yes these, these spiritual well, entities these are know. magical operations yeah. if you're going to call them that way um, and like maybe it's like the whole thing of like mm-hmm. um you know yeah magic's often a, a word that is sort of um, designated to put down or to be dismissive of yeah. certain like activities and stuff like that. You know, ma- ma- people think of like magic as being less than or illusory or something. Mm. But it's like uh, like there, there is sort of, um, you know, in terms of like what we're talking about with these techniques of imagination yeah. and um, the use of imagination in a particular manner, like. Mm. Yeah, and like focusing yeah. on the subconscious, because mm. after all, with all these rituals, it's not just about summoning something; it's about 
making it act a certain way if you want to kind of rein in a part of your subconscious that's how they do it they say oh this kind of earthy part of myself this kind of materialistic part might be out of whack mm. and he's correcting through kind of ritual just repeated ritual it's literally just that but i think i think like you're saying with stuff like magic the reason it gets put down so often is also just because people i mean i really hate seeing this stuff online sometimes but like like witch talk mm, oh, i hate it bro it's because for me when you talk about magic and stuff like this you shouldn't well, it is manifestation, you know. That That's all it really comes down to. Mm. It's making the external world around you change through changes to your internal world. Mm. You know, the mm. inner reflects the outer. And it's yeah. just your lived experience of it, you know. Yeah. You will see the world in a unique way. That's mm. all there is to it. And by changing the way you see the world, the world changes. And that obviously ties into like the Jung's concept of Literally. synchronicities. And yeah. That synchronicities these sort of uh, meaningful connections that yeah. aren't immediately sort of um you can't reason why they occur mm. like it like it's i mean it's getting into synchronicity i'm not i'm not going to go into all no that. no Just, for yeah. sure it's, it's a box of but, worms uh, but it is sort of um you know relating obviously to the relation of the inner and the outer and how they are the conditions mm. of our inner um, predispose how we attentionally orient to the outer. Yeah, in, in and that's why I really, I really disagree with a lot of people like modern day or stuff like TikTok who, who do like magic for the sake of external reasons. Mm. That it's like someone would do like a money jar. It's like oh, mm-hmm. you put all your stuff in this. You like write a little bit of something, and you like you really focus on getting your money up or something. Yeah, like that. It's yeah, like yeah. bro, get a job. Like I'm sorry, like we can all make money. You don't need to do a ritual to to get money like the magic is going out there and doing it but for me it's like these these techniques should own they it's not even that they only should they only have worth if applied internally you know Mm. that's where the real business is at for me yeah it's like if you're trying to kind of in a nietzscheistic way um have like a kind of ubermensch experience Mm. that's what you have to undergo in my opinion you know Mm. you're literally trying to philosophically fundamentally rebuild yourself and pos- like like build yourself in a positive direction you know i think mm. that these um mystical experiences are very fundamental to that mm. in a lifelong way but obviously there's different ways of going around it mm. I, I mean i love um anything buddhist mm. uh, like have you seen um like like um almost like ego killing buddhist ritual or nah some I mean, of it some of it is nuts well like but like the um yeah no i I've definitely like it's a, Eastern philosophy was very much a, a um a segue and a rabbit hole for me to sort of for, to, to these deeper contemplations Absolutely. of mysticism, especially given like I mean when I was an early teenager, I went through a massive like atheistic, almost Richard Dawkins, yeah, Sam so Harris like, kind of phase, yeah, I don't know, really like what you religion mean. was sort of dogmatic and irrational and science, yeah. but science is you know you can better explain this phenomenon as like. And that, and during that period of the life, you know, I, I, you know, I, it was sort of the taking, you know, the the intellect or the reason and science as these sort of transcendent sort of thing. Or like, I, I found I appreciation for the mystery of reality through sort of obviously contemplation of how um, science present, like, yeah, so that, that sort of. But but then as um, but then that that sort of attitude, obviously made me ne- neglect this sort of the spiritual sort of side the mm. contemplation of faith and religion and stuff like that yeah. i mean gosh like I, I always remember like um 
when I was like 16, I had to do like this sort of extended project for, you know, my thing. Mm. I did it on like the evolution of religion, you know, what yeah, religious like mind, genealogy much. of morality. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, that, and, but obviously it could, I would like sort of either prior, prior sort of, um, you know, it's just assumption of being an atheist and stuff like that. Obviously, I'll, I I don't want to see religion or something. Well, you no, but you, you just don't see it. If you're, yeah. yeah, it's like what we're saying. It's like if you have an atheist assumption baked into your mind that you mm. cannot unfix, like you're gonna see the world in an atheist way. There's not mm. even an option for it to not be. You know. Yeah. Like reality is gonna be subjective that way. But, yeah. Sorry, carry on, bro. I but um, but like and and like obviously like that atheistic outlook, mm. um, you know, it made my sort of transition into more mystical ways of thinking all the more sort of arresting yeah and psychologically and intellectually sort of um an intense experience like uh, you know it there's a there's a sort of um a saying that i've heard um yeah called how the the intellect is often the bouncer of the heart kind of yeah and um i like that and, i and like that I, I think it's from like this uh, this philosopher Bernardo Castro, who mm-hmm. he's got a, in his, you know, he's it, uh, he's got a philosophy of like analytic idealism, where it's, yeah, which is like very interesting. I point people to explore yeah. that, but um, um, that sort of the notion of like sort of the intellect being the bouncer of the heart, kind of, um, as it relates to sort of my atheistic transition towards more mystical ways of thinking, mm. uh, very much came through um, exploring, like psychedelic experiences and and exploring the um the intrinsic limits of reason and you know mm-hmm. thought to capture and approximate reality yeah and it's also like the, the reason in terms of our um scientific inquiry into nature into quantum mechanics and mm. the contemplation of that yeah that obviously leads to a sort of mystical kind of interpretation yeah. of reality i find like and a lot of s- 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 you know it's um you know and and i suppose sort of um i feel now i i, I still have significant value for both science and mysticism mm. right and i do not see them as um things that we can fully whilst we have different words for them you know it's yeah like, um, intertwined. you know they're deeply sort of like intertwined and um yeah it's uh, I, it, this builds really good into Kabbalah, by the way. Yeah. If you want me to explain how. Yeah, yeah, um, it's yeah, yeah. into Kabbalah. Um, Talking about like rituals or. No, um, even just like um, if, with, with what you're saying about kind of avenues towards what you're basically saying, enlightenment. Mm. Um, you can basically understand that really easily through Kabbalah's Tree of Life. Mm. Crazy thing that mm. I mean, it's. Do you know how old it is? It's crazy. Tell me, tell me. It's it's something like seven, eight thousand years old. It's ridiculous. It's it's crazy. I I honestly, it's one of the first kind of Jewish philosophical traditions, like dating back to the tribes of Israel. This is like mm. primordial spiritual knowledge, at least within our Western tradition. Like, yeah. if you really think about it, there's not that many um, religions that are even going to be anywhere near that old. Like Hinduism mm. is really old, like six, seven thousand, maybe more. I'm, mm. I'm not going to be the expert on that. Mm. Buddhism, very old as well. But mm. yeah, Kabbalah, very, very primordial stuff in my mind. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if anyone's too familiar with this stuff. Um, but you have this kind of tree of life, um, they call it. It's just, honestly, it's, it's a diagram, very mm. funky diagram. It's got 10 spheres and 22 paths. And essentially what it represents 
it's it's basically a conception of reality it's almost like the best way i've heard it described is like as a filing cabinet you know you can really trace all sorts of things onto it as a framework so for them you can there's there's 10 spheres um they can be kind of 10 archetypal forces um within psychology for example mm. um so uh imagination um victory um justice these are all very fundamental things to how we think and feel and organize a society at the same time um when um hermetics were like adopting kabbalah they literally would would meditate on these kind of 10 forces as almost astral planes you know they would go mm. visit these places in their mind mm. um so it's quite crazy but it basically stems down from um malkuf which means the kingdom at the bottom, that is physical reality. Um, and it goes all the way to Keta at the top. Uh, yeah, we just got a diagram here. So I'm just, I'm just trying to show around a little bit as well. Mm. So you have three pillars on it, um, left, center, and right. Um, I think Boaz and Joachim are the name. Do not quote me on that. It's mm. a lot of old Hebrew stuff, which I'm not very good at. Um, but... Um, if you look at these three pillars, it kind of links back to what you were saying earlier. So they all kind of link from the journey between Malkuf to Keta. Mm. For a lot of Golden Dawn members, that's the ultimate intention of ritual, kind of um, ascending your psyche and your consciousness to kind of all, to incorporate all these different things, mm. kind of properly, sufficiently have them balanced, but notably in a journey towards Keta. So enlightenment. In, this, mm. in a way Cato is essentially it means oneness yeah so it's it's divinity um it is god itself it is yeah. everything it is the one yeah i yeah. am that i am you know yeah and i think there's a very it's an interesting dimension mm. to um this sort of you know spiritual inquiry in the sense of how it's very like systematic um, yeah in, in terms of how you know we can systematize it into um sort of techniques to cultivate for a deepened spiritual awareness. Exactly. But exactly. Then there's also all the techniques and, at the end yeah, of the day. And, and then, but there's also a side to spirituality in terms of how, um, you know, that the original mind is the Buddha mind, as it's said. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if you're and, think it's, about and it's way. like, you know, how, how you do not have to, enlightenment is not something you do to, on some level there's enlightenment is not something you do to get you know it's a relinquishing of yeah and or and, and it's a relinquishing and this ties into ideas from like Taoism or yeah. you know we were so, effortless mm, action literally and or, i think kind of egoless state you know and so a lot of their uh if you're going to look at this whole um kind of tree of life psychologically a lot of what they do with ritual is literally kind of deconstruct their mind mm. in order to attain attain basically balanced ego loss not even necessarily full-time but like kind of for them they see the ego as a useful part mm. of um the psyche a lot of like eastern philosophies will just actually try to do away with it completely i say buddhism is a very if you're going to think about ego death it's a very strong proponent of it yeah. you know i think for a lot of these western things though kind of western hermeticism which nonetheless incorporated these ideas 
um, for them, it's a lot more like the ego has its place. It has an everyday use. Mm. We can't, it, especially in the modern world, I think it's very tricky to be utterly disconnected. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, the ego is useful, but the ego does have its place. The ego yeah. is not supreme. Yeah. You know, that there are higher powers that we answer to, whether moral, you know, kind of epistemological, um, kind of metaphysical. Mm. There are things that exist beyond us, you know, yeah. whatever we might think yeah. religiously. Yeah, no, I, I sort of see sort of, the ego on some level being a sort of um, a basic com- constituent of um, being Absolutely. an organism and yeah. an organism who which is you know obviously s- subject to um, selective pressures and stuff like that mm. and in a certain level was you know you know there is there is obviously like the the um, you know the, the, the distinction between the organism and the environment is a is a permeable one yeah. But, it, it, but we can we can we can point to that boundary and say oh whilst obviously it is at the deepest layer of reality you know like mm. um not actually there like when you sort of zoom out you know and you see cells you know it, it's like that it's like it's the, the whole thing of like when we talk about rea- reality and our thought splits it into stuff and that can create the illusion of separation mm. and um yeah, but like, but, but but then there is the there's, internal is the there external. is a pra- but then there is a pragmatic thing, mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. that it, there is a meaningful distinction between the inside and the outside, and um, in terms of like feeling like an organism, mm. and you know, because you know, I, I do yeah. not feel like I'm in this sort of um, you know, almost a schizophrenic kind of flow where like my self no, like, mo- so, my, no, where my self modeling is say is you know, saying I am the chair or whatever, whatever, yeah. but it's like, um, yeah, it's... An understanding yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah I, and that's Probably, what I mean. Yeah. I don't think that for a lot of, of these sorts of people who are practicing, like, very heavy ritualistic stuff, they're never aiming to kind of align themselves with Keta full-time. Like, that's something that a lot of people, in the same way that a Buddhist will believe, that you only reach true enlightenment after you die. Like, mm. you cannot be enlightened and alive at the same time. Mm. It's the same thing as, like, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, you know, you can be either alive, organistic, living, or you can be non-living, enlightened, mm. part of the greater nirvana. I mean, I think I crossing would... both is possible, but yeah. it's a temporary experience. Well, yeah, I, I, a lot of people have yeah. experienced it. I'm sh- like, I mean, probably you, but well, I, I mean, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Like, um, how sort of, sort of, I, I can't remember which sort of. Uh, where I read it from, mm-hmm. but it was like a, there, there was a reference to um, people who undergo sort of um, you know this sort of um, this spiritual process yeah. of um, um, of deconstructing the ego and stuff like that. And mm. um, post that process, they're almost living dead in a certain way in yeah. terms of um, yeah. you know it's um, and that, there's a kind of contradiction kind of in that mm. and um, but. That's what yeah. I mean. So it's it's a very I think it's a very hard thing to balance. But if, yeah, I was gonna say going back to what we were saying earlier, um, with what you're saying about kind of like scientific and kind of um, esoteric knowledge in a way. Mm. If you look at this like um, tree of life again, so mm. you have like three pillars. So you have different avenues to reach um, Keta, so enlightenment in a way. And so people saw this kind of. Um, so you have the pillar of severity, pillar of basically kind of. Um, esotericism was the middle pillar and the pillar of kind of um, mercy um, on the right so they say that kind of severity so if you were to like take this path to enlightenment what that mean is kind of 
severe experience you know mm. i think in a lot of way you can have people hit enlightenment you know at rock bottom mm. you know that's what i mean mm. like absolute destruction of ego through experience mm. yeah it's no. a horrible thing to happen no. and but that, it is a mystical thing as yeah, well yeah that, that's sort of that's, that's something i mean that's reminds me a lot of um some of the work i've been uh, having to like think about recently mm. from my essays and yeah, uh, I mean, from the work of Simone Vale you're who talking was, about um, this yeah, yeah you know her, her sort of um because she was a, a mystic mm. um, philosopher yeah and so her, some of her, Good her yeah some of her <laughs> some of her ideas were um about reality creation and stuff are very mm. much inspired by Jewish mystical ideas like, yeah for example I mean well, well she didn't she didn't specifically sort of like read the te like. text and stuff like that, but like from, you know, I, I, like she was. I mean, she wrote the bag, um, she read the Bhagavad Gita, which is very Eastern, yeah. like Eastern thought. I mean, mm. it's um, but um, but what I was going to say relating to sort of um, how spiritual enlightenment can come when people are rock bottom or totally yeah. sort of um, in it deep steps of mm. suffering. Um, she she has this sort of concept of you know. Affliction or malieu, as it's sort yeah. of um, the, the sort of as a conduit, word, I guess. As a conduit, uh, but um, uh, but she described mm. sort of affliction as um, this sort of capacity of the of world to transform, uh, um, you know, a sort of an organism, a person, a soul into a mere thing, kind of. Yeah. And she calls this process. Um, force almost i mean she, she she talked a lot about um force um in this sort of um she she did this um an, an analysis of the iliad the uh, the poem of the iliad yeah. as a sort of a poem of force and force in terms of how um you know uh, i mean the iliad is obviously uh, sort of a story about you yeah. know the war and the, that sort of st stuff mm -hmm. and uh, and it was um and about this sort of the dynamics of you know um you know, in in a war, you know, mm. there there's one individual who kills the other individual or mm. whatever. But um, I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm waffling on through this, but it's but it's and it's the question of like who is really in control of the action there, mm. kind of and um, yeah, and true. like the person who is killed in a state of conflict, you know, or you know, you know, it's it's like they're. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a better analogy to s describe what force is. I say like force is this impersonal principle. Mm. Um, it's higher than us. That yeah. that sort of um, you know, it's uh, it's it, it, it very very central. I mean, it's built into almost. I feel like the um, the, uh, the 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 aspect of reality in terms of how there is a this feeling of necessity of um, raw mechanism yeah baseline in, um yeah and physical baseline yeah and sort of natural laws who which yeah do not will you know do not conform and change according to human sort of like wishes and stuff like that yeah. or to organism risk it like, look, like, look at the number of like mass extinction events that have occurred on this planet mm. kind of um you know there, there's this sort of um you know that's you know the the, the capacity of the world to totally affront all the ego's defenses and the sense of security mm. of safety with you know um yeah it's um it can you know occur to anyone and it's it and it's just sort of um mm. you are very much reduced to a thing 
yeah a, an object you know it, she has like this quote where mm-hmm. you know in states of affliction you know the soul is marked with a kind of slavery and it loses half the soul i mean speaking about it metaphorically yeah but it's like the, the mark of slavery is crucial because it's um this sort of feeling that you know you become simply a slave to the impersonal whims of reality kind of and sometimes you know in a certain way it's like and that totally affronts someone's concept of the self and it totally deconstructs the ego and it create and it sort of deconstructs the whole sense of being a discrete person and it's like it's it's, an ego dissolving process yeah it's it's an ego dissolving process but perhaps like at the most um extreme in terms yeah. of to- like total suffering and then, mm. but like i don't want to go distract too much from yeah the, no no i mean of life, the the converse of that is what i also thought you were saying with like kind of scientific reason you know at a certain point we re- we reach a kind of mystical limit where mm. you're looking at like quantum physics and like yeah. particles so small we can't even understand them you know mm. on a lot of levels mm. or um if you're going to look about kind of like well, you zoom out yeah like, like dark matter yeah it literally planets. literally yeah. and i think it really fits into this it's a very cabalistic concept it's repeated everywhere as above so below as above yeah it's it's true scientifically you know quantum exists at the smallest and largest levels yeah. and it's sort of i i for me for me it speaks really to this almost fractal like nature mm. of um uh, observable reality, yeah. the sense of zooming in and out, and understanding that you know, as organisms, we are representing a um, you know a sort of a, a relative medium scale, yeah. and uh, that sort of um, and uh, like necessarily as sort of like organisms, our sort of perceptual model has to concentrate and do this kind of data compression. Yeah, you know, if we were acquainted with everything going on we would dissolve into just this entropic entropic soup kind of yeah no. so it's and it's like um no. and like and it is an interesting thing about in in this sort of modeling that mm. um our organism does it sort of it intuitively or it somehow has to realize the relevant aspects 100 percent. and this i mean this is an idea that uh, from i take like that John Babeke, sort of um, a sort mm-hmm. of cognitive scientist, philosopher, sort of talks about like this sort of idea of relevance realization. You know how, how, how like given like the the number of things that we can mm. potentially orient to is um, combinatorially like infinite in yeah. theory. Yeah. You know, and so how do we discern the relevant features of reality you know exactly and i i think when you really get down to it i think that something like science is all like at its deepest level as much as scientifics are um, cynics by nature i Mm. think it all comes down to something quite mystical at the end of the day there is a mystery that we are unable to solve Mm. at the end of the day and probably we we likely won't ever solve it same Mm. thing as kind of uh, philosophical mystery, metaphysical mystery, yeah. you know. So I think that's a, another like way to enlightenment, at least for these people. Yeah. But if you're, I, I'll wrap up on this whole tree stuff anyway. But just for the last bit, it's like, so you have like a left pillar severity experience. You have a right pillar of mercy, of a kind of scientific rationale. Mm. But actually, what these traditions say is like the easiest way to enlightenment is is. Um, is mystical, is spiritual, is a kind of combination of both. It's ex- experiential and kind of, for them at least, scientific. 
mm. um, you know, it's applied psychological techniques, you know. Mm. Um, mm. But I've, yeah, I've definitely got some some pretty crazy, like, well, store, secondhand stories that I read from, like, bibliographies of some of these people, if you want to hear some. But, like, the ritual aspect of it is very pushed. Yeah, It's no. very interesting. I think, yeah, look, go, go, uh, go into that in a moment. Yeah, definitely. But, um, Have you got, like, any more questions yeah, on this before we depart? Well, I just, just, like, having some, like, thoughts about, you know, the, um, you know, the, the tree of knowledge in terms of, you know, an appreciation of these different um, pathways to enlightenment, mm. you know, through mystical, um, non-rational knowing, but also um, mm. obviously rational kind of forms of knowing in terms yeah. of science and stuff. And like, yeah, I sort of, um, I, I feel like I can conceive of, um, you know, the, uh, you know, this apparent separation between, you know, sort of general Eastern techniques, mm. which, um, I, which if, to broadly categorize them is sort of seeming to an in inquiry an inquiry into isness that turns inward in a sort of way you know mm -hmm. I know there's certain um, into, like dualistic kind of um assumptions built into the way we talk about it kind of but it's yeah. like it's in, it's an inquiry into the subject but then you look at um western you know so, i mean uh, well, science is not exclusive to the west yeah, but, yeah. but science as um, objective um, empirical verification mm. is a kind of looking out and yeah. verifying with you know other observers as well. It's a, it's a, rather than a turning inwards, it's a it's a turning outward kind yeah. of. And I, it's interesting how well ultimately um, it's the same mystery, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's like and it's interesting how going in these appar apparently opposite directions you paradoxically yeah. reach the same place exactly and, um, i mean that's that's what you're you're saying it's essentially these are false dualities you know mm, and it's like it's tied into like non non-duality which is um, oh. a fuzzy kind of term yeah kind of i love thing. um any derrida if you've read his derrida, stuff i love some derrida he yeah great 20th century philosopher um deconstruction mm. anti-binary in philosophical thinking great guy to read up on mm. love him um, yeah, but yeah, nah. Have you got any more on this? On the uh, on the, the tree or like of Kabbalah life. and Kabbalah. stuff like that. It it gets it does it does a lot of depth to this. I could literally do two hours just on it, literally just explaining mm. step by step how you can interact with almost the tree of life. I mean, every level is associated with like entities, um, mm. like angelic entities um, that mm. you can reach through different ways. Well, supposedly, yeah. um, I'm not gonna say I've actually done any of this stuff because yeah you can't tax your mind like that too often i don't think mm. and um yes yeah, so i'm not going to claim to be the expert on this stuff but no it's mm. it you can really really carry on reading into it it's a really it's a great rabbit hole very interesting stuff yeah no and i think like it's definitely something like i in terms of my my own sort of like um spiritual exploration it's very mm. much you know being in you know this time period where you have the internet and access to just yeah. An absurd wealth of information from di diverse um, sources, you know, um, you know. In, I mean, from my initial sort of um, introduction to these sort of cabalistic ideas, like, mm. they they do very much integrate with my own sort of like my own sort of like current like foundation of like interest in Jungian psych psychoanalysis, yeah. Yeah. Um, as well Eastern philosophy. Uh, mysticism in general mm. and um, I think 
it, it, and, and this is like to tie back to like an earlier point we sort of talk about with like the, the relationship between um, the spiritual um, framing of ego and mm -hmm. how in Buddhism, it, you know, the ego is perhaps um, maybe a bit more dispensable. Yeah, I think. it's seen as more dispensable than I say in this sort of um, you know this uh, in Kabbalistic techniques where the ego is sort of um, there is more space given to or there's more um there's an appreciation of the the um mm. the, ma the machinations of this yeah. psychic complex and i think especially um when thinking about how, how do we sort of um bring more spiritual um or meditative um awareness yeah. to the, the west to individualist um mm. uh, cultures uh, where but which are particularly cultures that you know, just they can. I, I feel like different cultures obviously have different sort of um, sets of you know ways of understanding the world and oneself and their relationship to the world. But I think you know it, there is a sort of you know there, there is a component in. Um, I, I feel like in individualist kind of cultures where yeah. you are more um, conditioned into feeling like a. A separate somebody. I mean, this is an idea like Ram Dass calls somebody training. You know, and how, mm. you know, from the moment we're born, um, yeah. you know, uh, we, you know, it, there's that sort of um, process of conditioning to feeling like a discrete, that ego formation, and then obviously, you know, in that that ego formation is almost like a, mm. it's not a, it's not looking at it as a negative process. It's almost yeah. a necessary kind of uh, process. Mm. Um, I think the ego. Well, when we really deep it, it's 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 the psychological mechanism through which we experience it is like our seat of consciousness as we know it you know mm. um but no that's that's what i mean i think what you do with it ritualistically is ultimately always going to depend on how you actually conceive of it in the first place mm. um mm. yeah to be fair mm, yeah I, I this ties in really 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 well into like um, a bramelin, if you know a, that. A gramelin. A bramelin, not a a gramelin. So, a bit of yeah. information yeah, for others as well. Like, no, for is, sure, for sure. It's a gramelin. A gramelin. <laughs> nah, a, a bramelin. Nah. So, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really interesting kind of ritual case study. I put it that way. Mm. Um, not gonna say I, I believe in it necessarily for for disclaimer purposes. Fair, fair, fair. Um, interesting for anyone to look into. I think mm. vital stuff. Um, yeah, I've only heard of anyone actually succeed of it like once. Um, it's basically the most complex ritual um, performed. Well, one of the, basically by a uh, Golden Dawn um, mm. initiates. Um, and it, it aims essentially its fundamental aim is a dissolution of the ego by a really crazy process like forced ego dissolution through mm. just meditation mm. really hardcore stuff mm. um, its origins comes in the 1600s mm. I think it was um, uh, gonna have to remember here I think it was a Czech um, preacher called Abraham went on a uh this is like all documented it's really crazy stuff he went on a pilgrimage to i think towards egypt um i can't remember where exactly but he met the sage called abramelin 
mm. who um, yeah literally lived out in the middle of nowhere hadn't seen anyone in years and literally just gave classic him his teachings mystic. yeah mm. classic like hermit, hermit mm. stuff yes. like hermeticism yeah and so he transferred him this ritual um, after like helping this guy get better after like two months of walking when he like landed on his doorstep so he like cured this guy and he gave it to him and this guy came back to to Europe performed this got passed into the Rosicrucians and eventually like we said earlier into kind of Freemasonry Golden Dawn and all that mm. where Alistair Crowley undertook it mm. um, and it's yeah about the ritual itself then mm. it takes it takes 18 months to do 18 months 18 blimey. months it's um, it's three stages of six months mm. of like rigorous um, meditation daily mm. um, you know uh, and what you're doing in this meditation you you basically have to give yourself almost like an altar to pray at you know every day to mm. meditate at to, to invoke various um, kind of entities to help you along the way like it's a very documented thing it's really really fucking hard basically mm. um, and Aster Crowley tried it two three times the mm. first time he failed because each time he was he was a bit of a beast like for context like he, he was good at this stuff like mm. he he was a master of meditation he spent years learning yoga incorporating that into hermetic techniques mm. he took the he took the system as far as it could go mm. in my mind and as far as anyone has successfully done so, so mm. I mean success is a different difficult definition in this context um but yeah the first time he did it he tried to do it in six months quit after two months because it was not the right time and mm. the place that he did it is so haunted mm. he had like an old like scottish castle Bro, why did he do it and did he find out it was haunted after meditating no 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 no. he, he made it haunting like, <laughs> no because like Jeez. the the whole thing of this it, it, there's a lot of different ways through which you can understand it one of them is literally like you're evoking demons you know some really mm. occultist like brutal stuff mm. so what, what it aims to do is like if you want to conceptualize kind of angels and demons as a kind of Jungian archetype you know something that exists in all of us like mm. um, as a psychic force almost but almost like empirically psychological you know wrath um, mm. envy like the seven mm. deadly sins these are all yeah. like observable quite basic parts of human psychology yeah. no yeah. matter what you say but also things to kind of strive against, like running blocks. So what they do in this ritual, in, in a way when you're meditating, is you're literally summoning these things and then banishing them from your own soul to try and make yourself more pure in a way, you know. What I was saying earlier, you're literally visualising a psychic force within yourself, yeah. which you're then expelling, you yeah, know, I've, I've that you're putting restrictions on. It reminds me of something I've heard about, um, that, you know, the practice of lucid dreaming or mm, inducing mm. lucid dreams. Um, for sort of therapeutic use. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like there are, there's obviously um, it's imagination. I yeah, think, yeah, it's a, yeah, and as well, like say people in a lucid dream, they would summon in their dream, you know, mm. a sort of um, a manifestation of you know their shadow or yeah. their deepest fear or the deepest trauma, Confront like a representation it. of it, mm. and then that the subconscious will produce something, you know, rather, and then there's that that process of um, you know you know, psychologically um, standing up or psychologically giving space to that thing that mm. we are sort of um, um, intuitively um, averse 100%. to um, and makes us this uncomfortable kind of 
that you know it's easier said than done obviously yeah i mean that's but, what i mean it takes yeah. it takes ages to do and to a level where it's effective and especially when you're in now in, in this sort of this this technique of um a bramelin um, yeah it's <laughs> a gremlin <laughs> i'm making sure i said it no, 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 exactly exactly this whole this whole um meditative summoning of um kind of entities of the subconscious yeah or the collective unconscious yeah. rather you know um i think you could, like i say you don't, i don't think you have to think of it very dogmatically i think you can really you can really analyze these rituals at a psychological level and they make mm. a lot of sense and i find them very interesting for that but mm. yeah. yeah so what ended up happening with this guy so he tried it a couple of times first time he failed made his castle like ridiculously haunted weirdly enough um jimmy page owned it at one point jimmy page, um, guitarist. yeah led zeppelin guitarist for all our listeners he he literally sold it because he said it was so haunted like this mm. man loved his occultism i'm not even gonna lie like read up on the curse of led zeppelin because he did some really crazy stuff um but yeah it literally said it was like it was too haunted for him sold it on it burned down like that's Fuck. just like like apparently like there's like old tales like people going missing around there like really fucked up shit Jeez. and just because he, he just didn't complete it he left it unfinished he like mm. opened something that like he didn't mm. close you know psychically well, you're summoning some powerful forces you know that's yeah and like i certainly i i think like while while sort of um you know you know some people might you know turn those up but sort of the idea of these you know summoning powerful forces mm. um I, what I would say is that, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I intuitively find it plausible and I intuitively from, and this from my own sort of contemplation, mm -hmm, my own personal, mm -hmm. um, um, it, you know, practice of meditation and shamanic techniques. Um, I, I sort of do certainly feel especially in you know a deep meditative mm. um, state of absorption of trance that you are acquainting oneself with um much more um experientially intense um uh mm -hmm. you know things presences yeah. um fields so sometimes you know it you know yeah, you know, there's different uh, ways of understanding like, it, you know. And um, there's like DMT gremlins, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, but you know, machine elves, like yeah, light beings, um, and like this, this ties into sort of um, they're just like the, observable the, yeah. features under certain circumstances, yeah, and basically. This, yeah, and I, I feel like sort of the meditative trance um, it's a much can controlled place, way of doing it. it yeah, it, it can place one's consciousness in. A um, a state where it, it it can become more sensitive, more receptive to yeah. the subtler um, aspects of um, reality that um, in a sort of a t conventional waking consciousness, you know, we may be mm. repressing, may be dissociated from. But yeah. I think dissociation in general is a very interesting um, well, aspect field of, of experience. Yeah, yeah, in terms of Dissociate. I mean, and disso dissociation as sort of. I mean, this this sort of ties into what I mentioned earlier about Bernardo Castrup, his sort of mm -hmm. his um you know metaphysical stance of analytic idealism sort of posits mm -hmm. um reality is like you know um 
you know, a one mind essentially. I mean, that's one way, and we no are dissociated. We are dissociated yeah, alters of that one mind, mm-hmm. kind of. Universe I mean, looking at itself, you, I guess. Yeah, or yeah, the universe experiencing itself from yeah. a um, multiplicity, or perhaps an uh, yeah. Mul- I mean, a multiplicity of um, yeah. dissociated alters or sure, perceptions sure, and stuff. Bro. But um, but uh, what was I tying on before about um, meditation? trance um yeah out in, yeah there's i think you you can become more sensitive to mm. you know potentially you know mm. these um you know these these forces these very powerful forces yeah, de- demonic angelic what you may call it um i do think like you know a, a lot of people operate under the the assumption that say you know, sh- humans are the uh, or the human mind or human intelligence is the uh, the pinnacle of um, it, you know, it, the, yeah. the pinnacle of creation in terms of um, being agents who can manipulate reality. Mm-hmm. But I, I do find it very plausible to think um, that you know, I mean, this ties into the question of aliens and uh, well, what what is what is yeah. uh, uh, you know, or the the, the 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 concept of transcendent intelligences that have um, yeah, ha- I, yeah. I just think that like. W- it's, it's a very interesting, like, all these things are really interesting. I think at the end of the day, I'm always going to be a, a little sceptical with anything. I think mm. you have to. I think mm. you, we can say that we have certain experiences. Where I think we always have to be slightly sceptical because anything is as likely as anything else. That's that's the the nature of our metaphysical mm. mystery, yeah. you know. No, I, I, yeah, I appreciate, like, the, uh, the scepticism and, like, the, um, you know, it's obviously, like... I think you, you, know, you always have to take things at face value a little mm. bit. Yeah, oh. I, 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 I sort of and assess and like assess one's evidence, obviously. Mm, mm. Um, but I do, I do think in terms of um, this notion of yeah. um, intelligences in reality, mm. I think the most plausible candidate uh, of that is through you know, in the, you know the um, it's through um, you know the contemplation of um, plant mind plant mind yeah. interactions with humans and psilocybin for example or fungi um mm. fungi obviously you know very complex especially yeah. when you go delve into the mycelial network and there's mm. uh the the, the um the, yeah, there's a whole side that i point people to paul stamets if they want to learn yeah. more about that yeah and definitely um, some terence mckenna too yeah terence mckenna as well Classics. and uh i mean psilocybin obviously um, sil- um you know converts to psilocin uh, which mm. is a a structural um it's very structural analog of yeah. serotonin yeah, like very very similar it's crazy it's really crazy and um you know and uh same thing with uh dmt and yeah uh, tryptamine. it's, like, it's and, two um, methyl groups apart i swear mm, mm. but and, yeah. and like and the, the point i was sort of making is that like dmt is a um a uh something that is ubiquitous in nature and within animals mm. and uh it's in our system and um and yeah the, the notion that ingestation of it will produce these you know mm. visionary mystical states especially when you pass out you know 5-MeO-DMT yeah. and NM-dimethyltryptamine which yeah, produce different kind of experiences you know 5-MeO often called the god molecule yeah um, I mean I could tell I, you but yeah <laughs> I, I'm not personally experienced <laughs> <Acquainted>. <laughs> I'm not personally acquainted with it but from what I've read reports it does produce very much a kind of a non-dual experience of interconnectedness. Yeah, so for sure, for a, sure. A white ego light, dissolution. a white light. Right, it's literally Kata. If you look at it, at, at this diagram, it literally says like white light at the top, mm. limitless light. You and know. that's, and that's like, that's, 
that's crazy to to contemplate that yeah. even for the most um you know atheistically inclined and um, physicalist sort of um mm. someone who's sort of averse to all this sort of spiritual exactly. they're wood, still like um you know <laughs> smoke this plant my friend you know yeah you're and, uh, it's a transcendental thing it's um yeah and but and, uh, and as a, like, another point um it's interesting the mm. difference between like 5-MeO and nm dimethyltryptamines yeah. and like the NM, NMDMT is the one often associated with these um, mystical visions of alternate realities yeah. Or uh, entities. Yeah, and entity encounters and these presences, and it's like, and yeah, um, it's just like it's it's a common factor. Like I, anyone can take it as long as they take enough. A lot of people will see just similar entities. It's crazy. Yeah, the the convergence. Yeah. I, I yeah no that's. Either yeah, way, that's, either uh, way. I was gonna say I don't have too long. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I probably need to. I want to like respect your time. No, no, but I was gonna say if you want to quickly circle back, I can I can tell you how to to what the the actual like philosophical construct of an abramelin is yeah let's go let's uh, go for that yeah abramelin yeah so oh wait i'll quickly rush through that because i'm aware that we probably don't have too much time that's all right but, but we'll definitely be having a follow-up yeah definitely um but just dipping back to what um crowley managed to do with this the second time that he um he did it he so when you do this just to say like how how good he is at what he he did um, you're supposed to conduct this in almost a, a temple. You know, you're supposed to have an altar, a lot of different kind of items that you're using mm. um, for these ritualistic things as, as just aids, you know. Mm. Um, but so he actually did this whole thing while he was he was trekking from, uh, I, I, genuinely, I think it's like the south of India through the south of China for about six months. He literally spent six months with his wife and a kid trekking across this like a countryside on a donkey like it's quite dumb like he got really ill mm. like you would you yeah, would it's obviously. early 1900s yeah. um but he was so good so he was doing this ritual the whole time without anyone realizing the way he'd do it he'd literally be on his donkey getting led and zone out he would picture himself in a temple you know he'd set up his temple perfectly in his mind mm. and then from there go into a second level of visualization because when when you're in this temple you have to use it when you're doing it normally i guess you have to visualize entities you have to do it a certain way you know so he's literally on two levels of visualization it's just mm. the immense amount of meditative concentration Power. that's it's, it's interesting that's and very it takes a long time to get that good yeah yeah and this something i this sounds very similar to something that i'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard from this guy from uh, called Thomas Campbell, who's yeah. he's got a, he's a fit, like physicist, but who's also very interested in out of body experiences yeah. and the research into that. And like, um, and uh, you know, I'd point people to explore some of his work. It's quite interesting, particularly as he's he's interpret as a physicist, he's interpreted stuff like um, the, the results of physics in mm. terms of relating to a universe that is a kind of you know almost a conscious virtual reality but like yeah. um yeah and we are sort of these uni- units of consciousness but um but in time to the sort of what you talked about mm. um the visual visualization yeah, of one level and then also another one like that can level, occur yeah. in parallel yeah like i think the parallel idea is significant um, it's just like all the while if you really deep it he was also like 
he was also like steering a donkey bro like mm. just that ability to remain to, to expand your consciousness to so many levels i mean this is after years of meditation and yoga like mm. very impressive stuff but mm. the way so essentially if you're trying to reach the goal of an abramelin operation you're trying to literally talk with your higher self you know mm. what that takes if you're kind of reverse engineering that that to, to look at that, what you need is to absolutely dissolve your ego mm. and i don't mean as in like a little dmt ego death that lasts a couple minutes i mean like a literal two month long period of self-inflicted essentially psychosis an egoless state so that's what they need how do you achieve that okay so you the way to do it is actually through philosophy and logic mm. so what he he did is he incorporated a lot of um buddhist um koans yeah. like mantras you know mm. so mm. mantras on the nature of reality to focus on you know for months at a time like um like metaphysical inconsistencies that cause like cause us to doubt um the universe in itself you know and so what you do if you're literally starting this operation is that you you basically use these kind of mantras to dissolve all your currently held knowledge mm. you know mm. and then ultimately if you want to like really reach a transcendental state you actually have to abandon that logic in itself if you use logic to destroy everything well and actually your logic itself is flawed like we, we've seen this in philosophy logic is not a perfect system mm. you know you have to give that up as well and yeah. you literally kind of like surrender let go become you know, in a Taoist sense, yeah. you know, you have yeah, to yeah. literally let go of your whole kind of psyche, its understanding of anything, yeah, and that to, is yeah. an egoless state. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, he did that on a donkey for six months. That's like, fucking wild. Yeah, Jeez. nutty. <laughs> it's yeah, it's this this whole process of enlightenment, almost. You know, phrase as a sort of uh, giving up of everything. You know, yeah. it's um, a relinquishing of all identity structures, Absolutely. Of, um, of all claims to, you know, understanding what's going on. Like, mm. or so about th- it. It's so hard to to explain in a podcast. That's what's yeah. quite funny. Is it's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> transcendental by nature. You can't. You but can't. it's 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 nothing. It is something. Um, mm. Yeah. At the end of the day, it can only be experienced. But then, experience as well is a word as well. Exactly, there there it's has a, to be a subject yeah. to experience. You know, it's a, um, I, we can call it ex- experience, and ex- I think experience is a good pointer to it. Like call it the saying the uh, the present moment, the yeah. eternal, timeless now, or these 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 words. They can operate as pointers, but they're they're pointing to. Um something that you know obviously can't be exhaustively talked about it you know defies it's it defies it's void of any property that we could ever assign to it but then it's like we are it in that in in Mm -hmm. a deep sense yeah and you don't need to go anywhere no you You don't need to do anything it's uh it's um it's it's uh it's almost like it's if you want to frame it as an insight, which it isn't really, it's, a, it's an insight that we miss, not because it's so out there and far away and distant to us, but because it's like, it's so close, it's right in front of your nose such that you, you miss it. Mm. You know, it's, it's, um, yeah. And like, it's, um, 
and I feel that it's it you know in terms of how I, I'd sort of I mean I I've, despite my interest obviously in all these sort of mystical states and cultivating techniques to mm. um you know reliably enter into these sort of like trance like sort of um states um yeah. i guess if there's anything that i have derived from that knowledge and from that, ex that 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 process of exploration other than obviously that you know the one thing i know is that i know nothing yeah exactly. but there's also but there's also a part that is like well there very, is something yeah very sense it's the, the whole process has made me very sensitive to very the, the yeah very intuitionist and also very sensitive to the nature the, the the um the sense that reality is a flowing flux a mm. kind of a process and um and like what it what is um what is primary is um yeah processes in in, in reality rather than you know um stable discrete things kind of and I think this ties into sort of um, I'll point people to explore the work of like Alfred Alfred North Whitehead, um, a sort of mm. a British mathematician and philosopher. It's a very interesting process. Um, he's got he's very he's sort of an associate with process philosophy, which is um I mean he was like living obviously around a time where mm. um, we were like quantum mechanics. There was a whole like you know the, the difficulty of um, interpreting the results of that and. Uh, you know, Einstein obviously yeah. you know, was quite dismissive. You know, had the famous mm. "God does not play dice." Yeah, he does not. But uh, I was going to say, man, yeah. I might actually have to head out if That's you want to absolutely fine. wrap things up. Yeah, no, but as yeah, we've had a I think we've, we've covered a beautiful lot of stuff. roundabout conversation. Like yeah, I think it's an hour and nine minutes. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I want to be respectful of your no, time. No, no, obviously. I wish I had a bit mm. more, but yeah. it might need a follow up. We'll no, we definitely will. I think it's like. Yeah. We've got a lot. Uh, I really enjoyed yeah. this. I learned a lot as if well. If you want anything on Enochian and stuff, that's some pretty wild stuff too. Oh, God. Yeah, a little little intro to whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you would. Do you, would you like to like remain like more like, anonymous for this? For now. In, for yeah. now. For now. Yeah, because obviously, that's a lot of the stuff we've talked about is quite, you know, you know, in certain sensitive. sensitive. Yeah, sensitive and. Yeah. Uh, stuff that may obviously be immediately like I say I'm, I'm not I wouldn't as a disclaimer like I'm not necessarily like a proponent or whatever I just find it really interesting to research mm. I think everyone kind of should be at least open to receiving new ideas but exactly. yeah no that's that's all I really have to offer for now no well it's been an absolute pleasure um, thank you thank yeah, you for hosting no, thank you very much for, for joining me this will be Hopefully the first of many more like conversations. We'll see, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm bored of my own sort of voice. So it's <laughs> like talking to other people gives me yeah. such a um, an opportunity to learn so much more and expand. It's always and, useful. Yeah, and, and I've learned so much. Thank I, you, man. Yeah, no, and I, I, yeah, like being able to riff ideas as well off yeah. of each other is like philosophy is a talked process. You know? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. But uh, thank you very love much. Love that. Love that. Uh, All right. Thank I you. shall sign off there. There we go. Adios, peeps. Uh, bye enjoy. bye. Bye bye.